It's 2022, which means it's a renewal year and you need CEUs. 30 if you're in South Carolina, and three of those have to be on ethics, jurisprudence, and whatever else goes in that category. Look, the year's going by fast, and you can knock out all those requirements with a MedBridge subscription, and you can get 40% off with the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD. I have a friend named Shelly, and she's a little lazy. Her words, not mine. She hasn't done any Con Ed over the past year and a half until she got her subscription set up. And what she does is she just puts modules on her phone while she watches 90 Day Fiance. Great show, by the way. Is she learning anything? No. But is she getting the local governing bodies off her bat? Yes. Your subscription also includes NSCA credits, OCS certification prep courses, patient education, home exercise programs, EMR integration. There's tons and tons of resources. Again, use the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD to get 40% off your individual subscription. That's the best price that MedBridge offers, okay? Only the best for our listeners. Now enjoy the episode. Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome back to the Better Faster Podcast. Today, we're talking about auto regulation, and I'm really excited to get this topic because this is one this is one that is not a strong point for me. So I'm gonna be taking a lot of notes along the way. Got to get my mind right for this episode. But um, before we get into that, Josh, I understand you're deep in studying for comps right now. Um, you might explain it to the listeners exactly what comps are. Yeah, so your comprehensive exams, I take. I take it tomorrow, actually, tomorrow morning, bright and early. Um, but essentially, the way our program is doing it now, we're the first class, we're the guinea pigs for um, our comprehensive exam is actually a practice examination for the board exams that we'll take later this year, or you could take it early next year, depending on uh, when you choose. Uh, so ours is actually the PEAT, which is a, a, a pretty common uh, practice exam that people can purchase on their own. They can purchase, there's like a, a student one you can purchase, but then there are also academic ones that the school can purchase that are separate. And that's what our school has purchased for us to take. So we'll take the first one. Um, and then if you pass the first one, then you can, they have a second one. You can use that in your, you know, in your studying as a practice one leading into the actual board exams. Um, but previously it was actually it just a really long exam made up of questions that all the professors in the program had come up with. They had created this big question bank. And it was it meant to to assess how well you retained the knowledge that was taught in the curriculum directly. So it was like from their classes. Um, and they're written in the style of you know, board type questions. So, you know, four answers, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Um, where, so it was very similar feel to it. But um, this year, they're actually going to a third party, which is a little bit different. So we'll see how it goes. Um, we do not have to, we don't have to score any specific number on it relative to what the Pete says is passing or equivalent to a certain score on boards. We're just um, kind of scored relative to each other with our class, basically seeing like, okay, where do we sit, um, you know, relative to everybody else? Are we on the same page? Did we, did we put in enough work, um, you know, leading into it? Uh, but it should be, you know, I'm, I'm happy that it's gone this way because now, you know, essentially I've, I'm going to study for boards twice or just study for boards a lot earlier. I probably wouldn't have started yet you know, planning and taking boards in October. Um, but now I've put in um, a, a lot of work uh, using some of these study materials uh, to prepare for this exam. So uh, now going, you know, studying for boards again, leading into October will almost be like a, a review of what I've already studied. So we'll see how it goes, man. Fingers crossed. Good luck, man. I remember those days. Not oh, yeah. jealous one bit of where you are right now. Yeah, you know, but honestly, though, man, it gives me such an appreciation for, you know, being able to have conversations like this to know PTs like, like you and everybody at Vertex and, and all the other good people that we've had on this podcast. Because, man, when you go through some of these studies material, the stuff that is still considered 
the you know gold standard of practice, it, it almost gets embarrassing, you know, looking at mm-hmm. it, man. When you're looking at it and and rice and insets are the first thing on almost every orthopedic condition that you're reading about, you're just sitting there like man, we can do so much better. <laughs> and it's like, we argue, we, we wonder, and we're upset about reimbursement rates declining yet. If we're actually doing that in clinic, do we even deserve to get paid more? Like, it's just, it's, yeah. it's almost like, you know, it's almost sad a little bit, but it's also, you know, it makes me very thankful to be, you know, in this position and also excited to hopefully, you know, help move the profession away from a lot of that crap. So, um, and, and into stuff like this, you know, this kind of stuff we're talking about today is what, you know, this arguably is what should be being taught rather than, you know, which uh, ultrasound setting is going to be for more thermal versus non-thermal or superficial versus deep or, or whatever it is like you know, that stuff. So, you know, so irrelevant. And, and yet today the stuff that we're talking about is directly going to affect your, your ability to help your patients. So, um, or, or, you know, it's, you know, again, it's, it's upsetting, but also, um, you know, gets me motivated a little bit too. Yeah, man. It's, it's a shame when you got to learn so much material and just dump it because it's not applicable to the real world, but Mm -hmm. yeah, but, uh, yeah, we got to move on a hot topic, but (laughs) I also want to give a a quick shout out to Jeff Moore for opening up his first onward physical therapy franchise. That's all out of network. And Josh, it looks like you're going to be one of the first PT students at the Charlotte location, man. Yeah. It's uh, it's actually the first location, and you were the lucky winner to have Mitch Babcock's friend Zach Long be your clinical instructor. Yeah, pretty excited about that. Yeah, and also uh, maybe Mitch's other friend Jordan Berry too. There, uh, so I got. Uh, I'm assuming that they're they're all friends as I faculty, but mainly we were just an uh, inside joke with Zach there. But um, really excited to get up there in Charlotte in a few, really like eight weeks, I guess, six weeks. Um, I start at the end of July, and that's a 12 week rotation, getting to see uh, you know the man himself, and, and you know, and I don't know Jordan yet, but I've, I've heard nothing but great things and seen a lot of the stuff he puts on social media. So I'm pumped to to learn from those guys and to to be around again clinicians that are, uh, you know, helping moving the profession forward. So uh, mm-hmm. it's going to be an awesome experience. Man. For sure. Yeah. And I think that, you know, if there's anyone who's going to be able to scale cash PT and take it to the next level, it's going to be those guys because yeah, it's going to succeed in that way. I mean, you need the dream team, right? You need, you need Michael Jordan and Bo Jackson to lead from the front. And I got mm-hmm. all the faith in the world that Zach and Jordan are going to get it done. Cause I mean, you know, everyone that comes to that door is getting world-class care. It's the best product RB on the planet. So it's going to be a pretty neat experiment to watch from the sidelines, see how it evolves over the years. I know. I can't wait, man. It's going to be, it's going to be fun, man. It's going to be great. I'm excited to get up there. I'm ready to be done with this studying and back to actually uh, in the clinic, you know, helping people get better. For sure, man. So let's dive into this topic, man. Auto-regulation. So mm-hmm. why don't we just start out by just defining what that is and we can go from there. Yeah. So, uh, when you think about exercise prescription, oftentimes what we tend to do is we set a lot of the variables and we leave, you know, one specific variable open and that's usually loading. Right. And, um, you know, that's kind of the, the way we usually do it. We give you, all right, I want you this many sets, this many reps, and then we either leave loading for the person to choose, or sometimes we actually even give percentages or a set weight. Now I, you know, have done that for a long time and there are certain people where I might you know, do that where I give them a percentage, I give them a, a set weight or something that I'm looking for. Um, the only issue is when you're, we're working with human beings and there are so many other variables that can affect, you know, their training and their output that, uh, you know, oftentimes if we are really restrictive in our prescription where we have three sets of this many reps at this percentage, um, and this tempo, this yada, where everything's set, you know, we are not taking into account that that person may or may not be prepared 
for that type of prescription, or they might be able to handle something even more than that prescription based on, you know, other factors there. So when we're talking about, um, you know, other factors, uh, it's mainly their response to stress, right? You know, they, we, we've all been into the gym when it says 80% and, or we do 80% of whatever our one rep max is, and it feels like 60% or it feels like 120%. And we've all had that feeling there where 80% didn't feel like 80%. And a lot of that is like how well is our nervous system able to perform the given task. So if we are really restrictive with our, with our prescription, we aren't taking that into account. And it can, it can you know, end up causing problems down the road because it might make somebody push you know, harder when they shouldn't. You know, especially if there's somebody who has a lot of other stressors that they're not able to regulate very well. But it also could, you know, potentially be limiting performance if we're not taking advantage of somebody who does maybe have it dialed in and everything's going well. So a way to combat that is to, you know, allow for a little bit more flexibility. And the flexibility in that is based on their performance at that given task on that given day at that given time. So um, we can start rattling that off a little bit here. So, um, when, when I am thinking about auto-regulation, I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about the variables that are potentially able to be adjusted. So we could have, you know, changes in loading. So we put the sets, the reps, the tempo, whatever, all, all standardized, and the person chooses the loading, right? Um, mm. That can be good. It can be really good for my strength conditioning clients or people who can tolerate heavier loading, but it's, all, it's also good for people who kind of understand, you know, loading, who are used to it. They've been training a little bit. It's good for, you know, in-stage rehab, more return to sport. Um, it, it gives them a lot of control over it, and that can be great. Um, and what I'll do there to help guide the loading is maybe I, I, I'll give them a, a, an effort level that I'm shooting for. So now I've kind of set the reps, I've set the sets, the tempo, the, the uh, effort that I want. Maybe I say tough or or maybe I can give them an actual RPE, or maybe I can give them a number of reps in reserve, um, or, you know, or I can you know, say things like near maximal or slightly less than your max, or I could say I want it at an RPE of eight or in, you know, two reps left in the tank. I can give them an idea of an effort, and they end up picking the load. That's one way. That's You're varying it right there, and we all kind of tend to do that naturally, but that doesn't work with everybody. So you can actually regulate somebody's stimulus using other variables. So um, imagine somebody comes to your clinic who maybe is not able to tolerate heavier loading. Maybe they are, uh, you know, newly coming back from some type of injury or ailment. Maybe it's after a surgery. Maybe they are really inexperienced with, uh, with lifting or loading in general, or maybe they're afraid of it. Maybe they're just like, I don't, I don't touch a barbell. I don't touch weights, whatever it is. Um, or maybe again, this could be somebody who's, you know, maybe a runner or somebody who's not used to resistance training, who's, who's, you know, definitely fit in a certain sense, but isn't, you know, isn't going to be able to understand necessarily, you know, how to achieve the loading desired in the previous example. So for that, I might actually set the loading and all those other variables, but leave something like reps as the variable. So I'll say, okay, I want you to do this exercise. We'll say a squat. I want you to do this many sets, and I want you to do um, you know, this tempo and this weight, and I want you to go until, and then I give them a, 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 uh, you know, some guidance. I want you to go until you feel like you can only do one more, or you feel like you could only do three more. Because we know that, that reps in reserve, RPE, things like that are, are correlated across. So now, you know, that I've set the loading, something that we know they can, they can tolerate. Again, it's been selected based on the person in front of me. But now they're controlling the stimulus. They're going until they feel like they've reached that point, right? So mm -hmm. now, I, 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 basically, they are regulating 
their performance that day is regulating their total volume, their total intensity there because they're the one choosing how many reps in that instance. I could do the same thing with sets and, and, and feel free to stop me if there are any questions on, any, uh, on that or something that sparks, sparks a, a follow-up. But um, so, wait, we're, so real quickly, just to recap that, just makes it hurt you, right? So someone who is more inexperienced, you're going to give them more freedom basically to make that decision by giving them an example, like go until you have one or two more left in the tank versus giving more precise numbers to someone else. Did I hear that right? Um, I wouldn't say that necessarily. I was just giving an example of when I might use that. There, there's not, you can also do that with somebody that's more experienced too. You can have them choose the appropriate number of reps based mm-hmm. using reps in reserve too. There's no, that's no, uh, you know, experience level doesn't have to be a determinant there. My thing there is if somebody who doesn't understand loading or isn't able to load it, I might fix the loading and then change an- and have another variable be what is, is regulated throughout. If that I makes sense. Right. So it's not that like I could also do that with somebody's high level and I could say, you know, I might know it's like, okay, their max back squat is, you know, what, whatever it might be, say 365 pounds. And I want to make it 315 and because I'm like, okay, that's around a given percentage. But again, you know, if I set a certain number of reps at 315, it might not be appropriate given all those other extraneous variables. So I might say, I want you to do as many reps at 315, again, knowing that's a, a higher percentage and say, until you feel like you only have one more in the tank. And now I've kind of, I've, I've made it to where the stimulus should be tough. It should be, you know, correlate with maybe a nine out of 10 RPE. Like I'm ensuring that they're getting the stimulus I want and they might do two reps at 315. They might do four reps at two, or 315 on that day. Um, it really just depends on, on, on how well they're able to perform then. So you can use that, that um, more variable rep method with higher level individuals. I, I just more commonly probably use it with people who I really don't know if they're going to be able to pick the loading appropriately. So mm-hmm. I'm going to pick the loading and allow them to kind of determine the repetitions. Gotcha. That, yeah, that, that makes sense. sense. Okay. Yeah. Um, now you can continue with that same kind of thing. We we've talked, you know, we've talked about varying load where they've, they kind of determine the load. You talk about varying reps where they kind of determine the, the person in front of you determines the reps. You can do the same thing with sets too. So end up having a, um, a prescribed number of reps, you know, say, all right, we're going to do 10 reps for this example at this tempo with this weight. And, um, and I want you to, you know, you do that set and we're going to keep doing sets until you feel like the session or that exercise has reached a certain RPE or has gotten tough. I might say, all right, so we're going to do this first set. So it's all right, we do 10, 10 reps at, you know, a tempo. Um, maybe it's like a goblet squat. And with, you know, this kettlebell, say it's light kettlebell, 30, 20, 35 pounds, whatever you're using with that person. And they do it in front of you. Like, okay, how did that feel? Oh, it wasn't too bad. It's all right, we're going to do another one. How did that feel? And you're assessing, okay, is, is it getting a little harder each time? The session as a whole, how is it going? And then, all right, we're going to keep going until you feel like, you know what? These squats have been pretty hard. And then, and so now, you know, again, it's the same kind of thing. It's somebody who maybe isn't tolerating a lot of high, heavier load, or maybe it's somebody who um, is, you know, newer and doesn't really understand loading. Or if I try to tell them how many reps in reserve to do, say when that variable rep method, they're not really going to know. They might say, oh, I've only got two reps left. But then if you ask them to do 10 more, they probably could. We all know that person who really just doesn't understand like kind of their ability to perform. So maybe I do something like this where I'm actually doing, I don't have a set number of sets I'm doing. I'm actually just monitoring their response to that individual set and the exercise or the group of sets as a whole. And I'm going until that group of sets or the overall stimulus of that part reaches what I want. 
So that's like somebody who doesn't necessarily understand um, more of like reps and reserve or things like that. So, you know, that's a, you know, you know, three different ways there where the person in front of you is varying. There's a certain variable that they are determining based on their direct performance with that given activity. And so I've taken out the specifics of the exercise prescription there and allowed them um, to, to, you know, change it as needed or go as needed, which makes sure that I'm where I want from a stimulus perspective. Gotcha. I like that. So, you know, hence the name of this episode and this topic, auto-regulation. But with that said, when you're using this method with a client, like, are, are there still things that you're measuring or are there certain trends that you're going to be looking for over time, say with a training block, that kind of thing? Because I imagine you're not going to, you know, have as many metrics aren't going to be using as many devices or apps or things like that in this case. Am I right about that? Yeah. And so for me, what I'll do is a lot of times I'll gauge their performance that given day and actually use that as like a baseline. Right. So I'll see kind of, okay, well, the loading they used and the number of reps they performed and the number of sets or whatever, I kind of have an idea of like the total work they were able to do and also the, the effort that was associated with it. And then I can attempt to progress that. So it could be, I'm trying to progress the loading a little bit. So I give them the same prescription as before where the load was the variable that they're allowed to choose. I say, Hey, I want you to try to go heavier than last time if possible and then kind of gives them the idea or uh, or I just tell them what I give them the exact same prescription and I see did they end up increasing the load are they are they feeling more comfortable I say hey either use the same or more based on how you're feeling or maybe it's the number of reps I'm like hey you know last week uh, you know, we used 20 pounds and you did 12 reps we're gonna use 20 pounds again I want to see let's see how many reps we can get to, you know but still I want it to feel about like a seven out of ten or whatever it is. And, and you just see, again, you're trying to create incremental progression there. So you can still progress these a little bit. Um, or, you know, again, if it's somebody that maybe is, uh, I think that they have a little bit more of a control on those other things outside the gym where I can be a little more specific, I might actually change the prescription and then control all of the variables when I feel like I have a good idea that they're actually going to be able to accomplish it and that it's still going to be appropriate for them. Um, cause I don't want to do that on somebody who really has a, you know, a, a ton of variation in their everyday life. And you don't know if they're coming off of two hours of sleep or eight hours of sleep, or if they just landed from a flight back from overseas, or if there's somebody that hasn't traveled, you know, out of the city in 10 years, you know, there's so many different, you know, uh, variables there that we can't necessarily control, you know, at least initially. But then as I get a feel for the person, I might be able to progress it myself, you know, just kind of what's a logical progression based on, you know, um, what's like a standard, you know, standard progression from loading or from an acute to chronic workload ratio or whatever you want to use from load monitoring. I can kind of progress it that way. Um, or a lot of times what I'll do is I'll, I'll make it uh, another method that I haven't even talked about, but I use a lot with my gym clients is where I'll give a rep range and the rep range on that given day dictates what they do the next set. So it allows them to, to adjust set to set. For example, I might say, Hey, we're going to do, um, we'll say front squats and we're gonna do four sets of, you know, five to six at this tempo and a certain rest, rest prescription. And it's like, okay, well, if they, you know, my clients understand and we talk through this, if they get six reps, they need to add weight. They're at the top end of the rep range, or it could even be a bigger rep range. Maybe it's like a, a, a dumbbell bench and it's eight to 10 whatever it is, they hit the higher end of the rep range. They need to add weight, right? For the next set, next set, they finish in the rep range somewhere. All right, we're going to stay there for the last set. 
or they go and they end up getting on the bottom end of the rep range. You're going to stay there or they don't get into the rep range. They need to lighten the weight to be able to get into the rep range. So I end up picking a rep range and a tempo that is the, that within that range is, you know, it gives me the desired stimulus. Say I'm working for some more hypertrophy. It's where if they're at the bottom of the rep range, they're still at least, you know, 40 seconds. And if they're at the top of the rep range, maybe they're 55 to 60 seconds. And I know that general time frame there is going to give me, you know, that hypertrophy response. Then, you know, it allows them to monitor the loading or adjust the loading based on how they perform. But I know as long as they were in that range, it really doesn't matter if they hit eight, nine or 10 in that example, because they got the desired stimulus. So that way, like they're, again, their performance dictates their next set. And then what I can do is use that to dictate the next week, whether it be like, okay, eight to 10, I want you to start with this weight and something I think they can do nine. And if they get nine, great. They stay there the whole time for that set. If they get 10, which was maybe more than the week before, now they know that they can progress the loading. So there's a lot of different ways you can do it. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I like to, you know, throw in rep ranges in there too, um, just because that's something simple that they can do on their own. I don't have to necessarily be there and ask them questions. It's pretty simple. Did you get in the rep range? No, you need, you, you were under it, take weight off. Yes, stay there. You got the top end, add weight. You know, it kind of makes it an easy form for my gym clients. No, I like that. And there's two things I want to run back there in terms of clinical implications. First thing is I really like using RP as a metric, right? And you mentioned, you know, that's, that's very relevant to acute or chronic workload ratios, which a lot of clinicians or strength coaches are saying might be the holy grail when it comes to injury prevention, right? So we could probably do a whole episode about that in the future. And the other thing too is you know, PTs are notorious for prescribing three sets of 10 for everything that comes to the door. So a simple way that you can start implementing this in the practice it's just by doing a rep range, eight, eight to 10, and then see what your patients are doing. See where they're, you know, how fatigued they may be at the top end of those ranges and then use that to decide how you're going to progress them, you know, within the session and how they can do that on their own. That's pretty simple for people to, you know, pick up on. Um, even the people that really like precise numbers, just give them a little bit of a range and see how it goes. Yeah, no, I think that's great, man. I think rep ranges are 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 uh, underutilized sometimes. A lot of times it's very specific. It's it's four sets of eight or whatever it might be. And it's like, okay, well, yeah. what if they did the eight and it was really easy for them, yet they don't have any direction to, to ensure that they're adding loading when they could be? Or what if they really struggled to get eight and your goal wasn't for it to be a maximal effort? Your goal was it for it to be more of a moderate effort, which we know a moderate effort, more like say seven out of 10 or an RPE or a three reps in reserve. They should, that eight, that set of eight, should have felt like something they could have done 11 times and if it was like man I struggled and I barely got eight that wasn't the desired stimulus so yes they completed the training session but did you get out of it what you wanted and that's kind of my goal is is a lot of times my clients are, are all over the world you know so mm -hmm. if I don't if I'm not specific about what I'm trying to do or also have these built-in you know ways of of control a little bit like freedom but the freedom also allows me to control stimulus so it's mm -hmm. kind of like a, a you know a little bit of a paradox there um, then I can kind of ensure that that person's getting done what I want without me being there or what I'm desiring um, but I think you can you can definitely use it in the clinic um, there are some common prescriptions out there um, for like very specific rep ranges so a specific one that um, a lot of people use it, um, is uh, the DAPRI or the daily adjusted progressive resistance exercise um, prescription that's a common one I know has been used a lot in the clinic too and it's basically like you use um, they're like a set like 3RM 6RM or 10RM um, kind of standard. So if you're working more of like, say a six RM, um, you know, they're the first set, they're just warming up. Then they do, they're doing four sets, set number one, 
So again, this is a six RM. So they're working off of that six RM weight. And again, you have to maybe establish what that is either from actually performing it or um, using any kind of those projected numbers um, or kind of those, those like submaximal tests to try to determine it. So like set one, you do 10 reps at 50% of your six RM. Again, should be no problem. Should be able to complete more of a warm up and extended warm up there. Set two, you do six reps at 75% of your six RM. So again, still not maximal, should be fine. Set three, you use your 6RM weight and you do as many reps as possible. So you would think you would get six reps, right? That would make sense. I'm doing my 6RM weight and I'm trying to do as many reps as possible. I should get six. That's not always the case. Sometimes, some days, again, depending on those other variables, it could be four. Some days it could be eight. You don't know exactly what's going to happen necessarily, especially if they have, you know, their lifestyle isn't completely dialed in. You have these other factors. Um, or if it's somebody who is, is, is newer and a lot of this neural development that's going on is, you know, is allowing them to progress quicker than you expected. Or it's somebody who's, you know, going through some kind of healing from some ailment or whatever and their, their ability to tolerate load is improving for whatever reason. Um, you, so you're doing these kind of things. And then there's a set prescription on what to do next. So that third set, you do as many reps as possible. Say you get five to seven, somewhere in there, you keep it the same for the last set. Say you only got three to four, you drop. And it's like, it's like a, a couple kilograms, um, I believe is the original, is the initial prescription. And then if you go, if say you get eight plus reps, you would add a couple kilograms for your fourth set. Um, and so now that fourth set is based on how you did on your third set. Again, similar to that idea that I was talking about of just rep ranges. And then the fourth set, you do the same thing. You try to do as many reps as possible. And then what you do on that, that fourth set is depending on your performance, that allows you to determine what weight to use next time. Say you got eight reps again, even though you added weight, well, you need to add weight for your six RM the next week or the next time you perform that exercise. Mm -hmm. So it's like just a very standard procedure based on like three, um, three, six or 10, um, is usually what the, uh, uh, the prescription is, uh, for those. So, um, that kind of gives you an idea of, of something that's a little more specific. If you, if you're maybe new to it and you just want to try it out and see how it goes. Um, or you could, you know, if you're there with that person, you could kind of just determine the increases or decreases in loading, um, it, you know, based on what you see in front of you. So is that also a way that you can get a little bit of information on a person's neuromuscular efficiency as well too? So that, yes and no. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> so I love, you know, I love talking about neuromuscular efficiency. So neuromuscular efficiency is the, um, is kind of their ability to perform submaximal contractions off of their one rep max. So can't, if somebody has a higher neuromuscular efficiency, their one rep max is a pretty good representation of what they can do. They're not going to be able to do a lot of repetitions at a slightly sub-max level. The opposite is true. If someone lower neuromuscular efficiency, they perform a one rep max. That It's really not a great representation of their, their you know, I guess, overall, uh, you know, ability to perform, um, you know, maximal efforts. So that, that way the slightly submax efforts, they can perform a lot of repetitions. This would be a little different because if they actually tested their six RM, it would be, it would kind of control for that a little bit because you already know, um, just the difference of what that would be is if somebody had a higher neuromuscular efficiency, their six RM is farther away from their one RM than somebody with a lower neuromuscular efficiency. Their six RM might not be that far off from their one RM. Mm -hmm. 
that, so that would be the difference there. Um, so it, it, using something like this where they're all operating off of the six RM, it kind of controls for that a little bit, but that's a good question. If you had somebody test multiple, like multiple rep maxes, you would see like uh, you plotted them. You'd be kind of be able to tell somebody's, uh, you know, efficiency, uh, you know, based on how close together they are at the top or how spread apart they are. Sure. Gotcha. Well, um, Josh, for anyone who's interested in this topic, do you have any resources that you might recommend where they could re-up on this a little bit? Yeah. Uh, so there's definitely, uh, some things out there. Um, in terms of, uh, I did try to look up some, some articles on this kind of stuff too. Um, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you're looking at like, uh, the daily, uh, adjusted progressive res- resistance exercise that DAPRI, um, there's a night article quadricep strengthening with that, with the DAPRI technique, um, from, uh, actually it's 1985. That's how far that's when they first started putting some of these things in there. Um, and there's some, you know, super training has some auto, resi- uh, you know, has auto regulatory, um, prescriptions in there too. So that MELSIF, the basically the encyclopedia of strength training that came out in like 2000. Um, that's, that's a great place to go and look for it. If you're looking for like those original prescriptions, um, there are some other people who have done some great work on, um, you know, like RP and, and reps and reserve. Um, so there's, uh, a in 2008 article, uh, in the journal of strength conditioning research, um, uh, Morishita that had, uh, that was talking about like the relationship of RPE and loading. And then another one that, um, you know, from, uh, I don't even know how you say his name, Zordas or whatever, also journal strength conditioning research just a couple years ago that talked about, um, you know, using, uh, RPE and reps and reserve and their correlation. So there's, there's a lot of things you can do there. Um, I know when we had the Chris Johnson course here, the running course, he talked about auto regulation a lot in his mm-hmm. uh, course of with runners. Um, and again, I mentioned that's like, that's a great sport where our great population, where if they come to you, they may or may not be doing a lot of loading in their everyday lives and their training regimen. They may not be doing any loading. So me asking them to choose a load that they think is tough. They may not have much of a, uh, a, you know, basis to kind of kind of compare that to and they might not actually reach the stimulus desired so i can maybe use one of those other methods to ensure they're reaching that stimulus so um you know i think that you know anything chris johnson puts out there um is great too uh, you you really can't go wrong there's a lot of stuff out there if you google auto regulation there's going to be some stuff to, to look at for sure you think we can possibly link a couple of those articles in the show notes yeah we can try our best <laughs> Well, Josh, man, last week, uh, you know, I thought I went deep into cervicogenic headaches, but you said, hold my beer and gave us auto <laughs> regulation. So checkmate. Oh, man. I don't know about that, man. I think it's just, this is one of those things too, that I love to play around with. Um, and I think that, you know, the more and more that I'm getting to spend time in the clinic and things like that, I'm realizing that it really does have a ton of carryover for the clinic as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just shows that our exercise prescription in PT school is just so weak. It, it really is. Um, and, you know, cause I, you know, hardly any of this, you know, I would, I would say most of these variables aren't even talked about, let alone how to actually prescribe something and progress it. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, if people want to learn more, I, I definitely encourage them to look that up. And then of course, a shameless plug for the course. Um, a lot of this is talked about in the course. Actually, Kyle usually talks about this session section. Um, he is, is the guru when it comes to all things load, all things load management. And, uh, so he comes in and, and drops some knowledge bombs with it and gives some very specific clinical examples and things like that. So, um, you know, we're hopefully have some dates for upcoming courses coming out soon. Um, but if you want to learn more about that, that's a, that's a great person to know and talk to, but also, you know, shameless plug, come to the course. 
Oh yeah, man. Definitely going to be a couple of those on the calendar for the years over with. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and I guess we can probably say, you know, come to CSN next year. Uh, because That's right. you may see uh, a little bit of some of this at a CSN. We'll, yeah. CSN, we'll, uh, we'll have to throw a little bit more uh, details on there when, uh, when the time comes. Yeah. You got to get a little symmetry and put some faces with these voices here. Yeah. You know, yes. come say hi. I've never been. What, I know you haven't been either. This is, this could be never, cool. Yeah. That's right. Man. What's the name of our, is it, was it? Three sets of ten is the new ultrasound. Or something? No, <laughs> yeah, that's what, that'll be on the back of our t-shirts. It's something. not that bad, no. but that's uh, that's kind of uh, I mean, we're kind of going that way a little bit. <laughs> hey, we we know so much more, so why are we still doing it? That's kind of that's the, right. the idea behind it. So you know, people there are a lot of people that hate on modalities yet still don't know how to prescribe any of this stuff too, and so it's kind of the same, you know, kind of the same thing. It's like you know, mm-hmm. we we also know that three sets of ten doesn't work for everybody and everything, so why are we still doing that too? That's right, so, exactly. Yeah, if you want to know more too, feel free to send me an email. I'm happy to to talk about it too. That would be Josh at vertexpt.com. I'm happy to to talk more about this with you and how I use it. All right, boys and girls, before we sign off, I just want to take a minute to say thank you to all of our listeners for the episode requests, the reviews, the shout outs on the Instagram stories. We love you guys. And if you enjoyed the episode, all we ask is that you spread the word and share it with your friends. Hope you all have a great week and we'll be back next Monday. This episode is brought to you by Vertex PT Specialist. One patient per doctor physical therapy per hour. Guaranteed. The best physical therapy ever. Check us out at vertexpt.com or on the gram at vertexpt.